1: back to the unbelievable podcast. I am BJ Rydell back here with my guy, Drew Mahold. And today we have our very first preview episode of the 2021 season, taking a look at the Minnesota Vikings matchup with the Cincinnati Bengals. Should Football. Be an exciting Football is officially back. We're both very excited about it here. Um, And actually, we have some other news to cover as well today. Um, Mike Zimmer continues to make headlines with kind of his brash comments this season, which has been great for us in terms of offseason content. But um, we'll, you know, kind of give our thoughts on that. And then, of course, Brian O'Neill signs a massive contract extension to remain with the Vikings, play that right tackle spot for the foreseeable future. So the Vikings locked down their guy heading into the season just before the game on Sunday. So we've got a lot of ground to cover here today. Uh, but that's the general game plan. So um, let's get started here with Brian O'Neill, since I do think that's the biggest news report, not just in Minnesota, but really across the entire NFL, because um, this is a precedent-setting deal, um, not necessarily a market-setting deal, but uh, he's, he's going to be paid – Mm -hmm. handsomely at the position of right tackle, which is um, historically not as compensated as well as say the left tackle position. But right now, some of those top three guys, O'Neal, um, being, you know, at the forefront of that group are now getting paid up in that $90 million range, which, uh, you know, the terms of that deal were, what was it? Five years, $92.5 million Mm -hmm. with an average annual value of about $18.5 million, which, um, Again, not the top of the league, but I believe it's top three, and it keeps him in, you know, in the conversations for the best at the position in the league relative to uh, how he's compensated.
0: Right, and I think – so the interesting thing about this um, extension is, like, I had a couple of buddies who – you know, they're football fans, not Vikings fans, but football fans follow the game, and, you know, they texted kind of our group chat with with all of us, uh, and they're like, is this guy good? And so it's one of those where it's, it's – you know, O'Neal – does not have the PR of uh, maybe other linemen that have gotten a contract like that. I think part of it is just because of how the Vikings offensive line in general has been perceived really since the Steve Hutchinson era. I mean, the past decade, um, they've been just, um, you know, helplessly getting by. And so Brian O'Neill has been a lone bright spot, really Um, kind of a needle in the haystack type pick for the Vikings the last few years, um, second rounder Pittsburgh has really worked out and become a franchise tackle, which is something that, um, the Vikings should be proud of. Um, but with that said, I think, you know, the, the guys plays really good football. He's been consistent. His sacks allowed number is incredibly small, uh, given that he's playing every snap all the time. So pressure rate, um, up too. pressure rate allowed is great. Uh, so he's, you know, it, it's one of those where it's a lot of money, yes, and that part is concerning. It's not fun to look at, but it would be kind of hypocritical, right, for the Vikings to finally draft this guy, uh, finally draft a good offensive lineman, and then right. let him walk when time to commit to him. So because we've been – you know, as fans, we've been waiting this whole time over and over, find another offensive lineman, find a guy, find a solid player. They keep drafting these guys that don't work out. And they do develop one that works out you can't just let him walk you got to pay him what he's worth this is what he would get elsewhere if he were to leave so uh good on the Vikings for for paying him that I know it's tough to see that find that 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 dollar amount but that's what the guy is worth right now uh, in the NFL
1: absolutely so generally when you get a new contract right you ask yourself a couple of different things to determine you know, there's no really any objective analysis for whether the contract is good or bad at the point of signing. Right. Like we're going to have to wait the full five years to talk this one out and determine whether or not this was mm-hmm. a good or bad deal um, in theory. Right. It looks high, right. That's going to be the first impression of just about everyone. I mean, drew um, you know, set it himself with his, with his narrative. Brian O'Neill does not have the press of a guy that gets paid $90 million. So across the league, this might kind of come out, you know, might look a little strange, but if you're a Vikings fan, if you've been here, if you've been part of this offensive line rebuild, yeah. You you say, give the guy what he needs to keep him here because he's been the one lone bright spot in an area of misfits for what about half a decade now, maybe more, probably more. So mm-hmm. um, you pay this guy for sure. So how does this affect the team? This is a huge move, right? This is going to keep your guy in place long-term. I know it's not a left tackle. That part is, you know, a little bit debatable, given that the pressure from the blind side will be coming because, you know, Cousins is a right-handed thrower. It's going to be coming from that left side. Do you, do you want to pay a right tackle that much money? I'm interested in that conversation. It's not a conversation we're going to have here today, but that's something that I will leave up to debate. I'm okay with that conversation. The fact that he's getting paid relative to left tackles would be the fourth highest average annual value. That's next to Trent Williams, David Bakhtiari, and Larry Maiton. do I think he's as valuable as any one of those three players? Probably not. Is he in the conversation? Absolutely. It's debatable, but I don't think he's, you know, I don't like the idea of paying him left tackle money. It's about $4 million more about for those top tier left tackles, but, That being said, you can't not let this guy, you can't let this guy go. So the second question being, you know, how does it affect the salary cap? Okay. I don't know. We'll see. Second question. How does it affect the team? Well, it's huge. This is a, this is a mammoth deal. Something you needed to get done. The fact that it gets done four days before the season starts is even better. I mean, this is a great deal for the Vikings long-term, especially when you, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of you noticed the salary cap numbers have been thrown out there after this massive deal the thing is going to go up another $30 million. That's a
0: part of this too. That's, I mean, this could end up, we look at this three, four years from now, and it could be an absolute steal for the Vikings. Right. Um, now on the flip side of that, it could be the opposite. Of course, uh, if O'Neal were to have injuries come up or what have you, Mm -hmm. but, uh, uh, the fact that he has been sustainably really good for now three full seasons in the NFL, since he kind of jumped in as a starter, I believe that was like two or three weeks into the 2018 season. Um, since then, he has been really good, really trustworthy over there. And to have that kind of body of work and, um, you know, not have much of a flaws. Like it was one thing with like Matt Khalil back in the day when he had a really good rookie season and then quickly kind of plateaued and fell down um, off of that, you know, O'Neill has sustained it a little bit better, which gives me a lot more faith in this deal. Whereas the Vikings kind of had to battle that Khalil contract for a little bit and play him when he probably didn't deserve it. And then more injuries ensued and things like that. So um, as with any contract like this, um, a long term one, there's risk to it. But um, O'Neal has shown the stability. He's shown the consistent performance, and I think, uh, made it worth it.
1: Absolutely. And then you look at the fact, too, that I think this is always important when you're handing out a massive contract extension, keep in mind that you are getting the prime years of Brian O'Neill's you know, yeah, career with right. this dollar value, right? Like he might actually come close to being as valuable as that average annual number of 18 and a half million. Like, it's possible because he's going to be 26 now. This for this coming season. you got six years of him. Basically, you've got him in tow until he's 31, which is I, offensive linemen tend to have a little bit more longevity. They tend yeah. to be, you know, a little bit stronger into their 30s. But you're getting the meat of his best years at a, a rate that's going to probably look really good as soon as maybe even next offseason. So I like this deal. I think it's a big deal, something that needed to get done. It benefits this team long-term. It benefits them short-term. Um, overall, I mean, I don't care about the extra $7 million. I think a lot of us were kind of expecting it to be in the $85 million yeah. range. I don't care about that $7.5 million. Like, this is necessary. This is something the Vikings desperately needed. It gives you continuity, which we love, at a position of absolute need for a team that can't find blockers anywhere for the last mm-hmm. half decade. So big yeah. deal for me.
0: Yeah. So there's, there's a foundation there in Minnesota and O'Neill's kind of the forefront of it mm-hmm. um, in the offensive line. I think there's obviously a lot to be learned yet with, you know, Dara saw and Wyatt Davis and Bradbury and Ezra Cleveland, but there are the pieces there. The Vikings have used the draft capital, the last couple of drafts to kind of build, you know, start building for the future on that offensive line. Uh, you know, and O'Neal getting this long-term deal, you know, it, you know, decreases the worry uh, long-term a little bit more about this unit that has been such a problem for the Vikings and for fans to keep worrying about over the years. So, um, although as we transition here, it does kind of feed more into this narrative that Zimmer kind of alluded to in his presser today about the roster being top-heavy, the contracts being top-heavy on this team. And so, um, you know, it, it's it's very funny how Zimmer said that to the media, and then it was like within minutes the O'Neal contract extension was announced. So um, I'm not, yeah, we can, we can kind of, you know, detail what happened in the shot that he took at, I don't know who it was at, but um, it seems like Zimmer's frustrated about that, um, which I, I kind of at sea, but you got to pay these guys. Right.
1: Right. I don't think this is in response to the O'Neill deal.
0: No, I I don't think so. I I think
1: that this has, I think
0: it's a coincidence that it happened on the same day.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And that's an important point out. But so this is the exact quote, right? Uh, this is from Sam Axstrom. It says, "It's concerning. I feel really good about the top guys, and then some of these young guys got to come on. But when you're kind of a top-heavy with finances, that's what you got to do. Hopefully, we'll stay healthy and try to get these younger guys better. First of all, just want to point out that Drew's been saying for the last like ex- month and a half, the depth is his primary concern. Apparently, that's Mike Zimmer's as well. So we definitely co-sign that. I don't know if you say that publicly, especially it's with like."
0: And I, I've been getting hammered, you know, when I've made this, uh, you know, I, I've shared it on whether whether it's Twitter, whether it's in um, articles or whether it's whatever it is. Like I've I've made it clear that that's the concern with this team, and a lot of people are like, no, oh, the roster's good. Look at, it. I mean, you you have no Dakota Dozier anymore. Blah blah blah. It's like sure, I'm sure. Um, you get your starters back, great. That doesn't mean anything for the depth. The depth is still bad. The 2020 Vikings defense was horrendous because the depth was bad and I didn't see the moves to make it necessary. So Mike Zimmer says it like very crystal clear to the, to the media now. And so I hope people are going to pick up on it that I'm not the only one. And I, I know I'm not the only one, but the fans shouldn't just be coasting through this idea that well, those Vikings rosters, it's better now. Everything's fixed. It's, it's not quite like that, but and Zimmer addressed that with his whole concern with the top heavy contracts and, there was some concern about this being a Kirk Cousins thing. Um, I, I kind of see a that Cousins and Cousins I kind of don't. What do you think about that part? Like who, like, is there somebody he's targeting with that statement or is it just kind of an overall frustration?
1: I think he's just holding a gun and shooting it. Like, that just seemed like Mike Zimmer's <laughs> style. Honestly, I think that this is going to be a season for him where he knows it, too, where it's like make or break. So he's going to yeah. go down being Mike Zimmer if he's going to go down. Fair so enough. that's kind of what I see. I think he's just pointing the gun up in the air and be like, all right, let's do it, you know? Like, that's yeah. just kind of who he is as a coach. I love it. It's super entertaining. I think he's, he's going to be criticized throughout, especially oh, if yeah. kind of going the tank a little bit. Like, people are going to start looking back at these comments and being like, you know,
0: but that's how Zimmer would go out. You know, that, that's, that's how hypothetically, like, of course I love Zimmer and I would love for him to be the head coach in Minnesota for more than this year. Uh, Cause I love rooting for him. And I think, you know, he's so much about the team and like um, trying to build the, like the relationships with the guys he coaches that I just, I love that about him. I think back to that interview with, I believe it was Hannah storm on ESPN where they were like, where she was kind of asking him like you lost an eye. And you right. kept coaching. And he was saying like, yeah, I wanted to coach that game. The doctors didn't let me. It's like, you had just had surgery to remove it. You couldn't see. He's like, well, it's about the team, about the players. So that part I like um, in terms of the, you know, if he's taking a shot at somebody and the Kirk thing, like my biggest thing, and I was thinking about this today uh, just because the whole on Bell news and whatnot, the Dalvin Cook contract is the one that upsets me the most. Um, about like, I don't know if, and I think Zimmer is a big Dalvin guy and likes to run the ball. So I don't think that's where his perspective is, but in terms of top heavy contracts, obviously the Kirk one sucks and the Vikings are, are kind of stuck in that one. I get that, but look at the the lifespan of a running back, especially an elite one. You know, four years ago, we were talking about Todd Gurley and Le'Veon Bell as Mm -hmm. the best running backs in the NFL, Are we not. And Todd Gurley is currently unemployed, does not have a team. Uh, I shouldn't say he's unemployed. He's probably doing something, but he's a free agent. Right. Le'Veon Bell's on a practice squad. Mm-hmm. And the Ravens just signed Trenton Cannon to be on the active roster at running back instead of Le'Veon Bell. So it concerns me when we think of Dalvin Cook right now, right? As in the prime of his career. Uh, this is what is fourth or fifth season right now? Fifth season. We think of him being in the prime of his career. We see these guys drop off like that within two to three years and become nothing. That one's got what five years left on that contract. Yeah, I, I am afraid of that in he's four to five years.
1: So the deal that he signed was five. He's got years five so he's seasons brilliant.
0: left, including this season. So right. I'm afraid of that becoming a problem for the Vikings where he's quite literally holding back the team and not contributing anything. Um, there is the
1: potential out with his contract. Just to point this out, you still lose $6.2 million in okay. debt cap. There's a potential now I know, out yeah. 2022. But okay. the point remains the same, that yes, that you look at yeah. all the deals, it's a little bit ironic that the Dalvin Cook one, and I think my personal pick for the worst contract, is probably the one that he banged the table on the most. That's the Anthony Barr contract that he signed. Mm. We, you know, we all loved it when he signed away from the Jets, right? But if there's anyone that's not fulfilling the, the per dollar sure, yeah. amount of the deal, it's Bar. Not just because he's on field has been about average, a little bit above average. He just hasn't been on the field a lot of the
0: time. Yeah, yeah, like, that too. And that's the other thing with Dalvin, like with the running back injuries that happened. That's happened with Gurley. He had the knee disintegration. Uh right. You know, it, it can very quickly derail your NFL career. Um, and that was another thing that was concerning when the Vikings were going to extend Dalvin was well, the guy has not been super healthy in his career. Right. And Anthony Barr is the same way. So, you know, it, when you have that many contracts in your team that are like kind of your, your top level guys that you're paying, you know, Kendricks, Harrison, yeah. Smith, now O'Neal, Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook, uh, Adam Thielen. That's a lot of guys that are, you know, top flight, upper echelon of their yeah. position. So you gotta have you, you have to pay them, but I guess with that comes some of the market. Not everyone's gonna work out. And so this is us just kind of nitpicking that, but it's just, those are the ones, especially the double one I have an issue with, just because of how that position has um, the, the trend of it over the last few years with some of these elite guys quickly, quickly dropping off.
1: Well, when you have all these massive contracts, you just inherently become a more individually based team as opposed to a, you know, complete unit, right? Because you're yeah. expecting more, you're expecting a higher you know value of your wins to come from, seven individuals as opposed to a collective 53 yeah, yeah. like needed to do everything it's and last year
0: was the downfall of of that model of winning you know? absolutely <laughs> like the Rams, Rams are still trying are to heard. do it
1: now right the Rams yeah. are like literally the like they're literally they went out and they got Matthew Stafford they, they are
0: purposely they not drafting first round picks because they're using them to trade for current stars instead right. of you know, developing the talent. So, so
1: it's just, it's one, it's one method of trying to get there. And we'll see if it, it burns the Vikings this year as well. But yeah. that's just kind of what happens is that if you put all your eggs into one basket or a few baskets, right. And one of those baskets, you know, blows up all of a sudden you you're running into problems real quick.
0: That's a lot Good of production movie. that you have to replace then. Exactly. That's one of those. Yeah, exactly.
1: The reason why I don't think this is a shot, like I think it's complete coincidence with Brian O'Neill is that he's actually someone who's on the field.
0: So yeah, to yeah. me, oh, yeah.
1: if, if Zimmer's pissed about any contracts, it's, it's about guys who are getting paid and then they're missing 10 games, and especially the way he's handled
0: about. this, this, you know, preseason and training camp to the media about these injuries. He seems very, and I don't think he's gearing it towards the individual players, like on a relationship level, like he's not right. pissed at, uh, Christian Dara or for being hurt or whatever, yeah. uh, kind of the same type math, of vibe. Same happened reason with, we like, are. Yeah. The same type of vibe with like the whole Shreve Floyd thing where he was really upset, but then it ended up being, he's upset at the situation Uh, at the, was it the doctor that messed up in the surgery or something yeah. that I, looking back that really sucks, but it's the same thing. I think he's just upset at the situation there. So I don't he know. That to was shoot just the
1: gun. That's where I'm at. Yeah, he just yeah. loves to
0: shoot the gun. You know, he's, he's, he's being more upfront with how he feels about things than most coaches.
1: And for what it's worth, he's got more on the line than most coaches this year, right? And yeah. this is a great transition into our preview here because this directly starts – this starts re- week one, right? Like, if you lose the Cincinnati Bengals, your seat turns – it turns up, turns on, up. a notch, yeah, to, yeah.
0: Say oh, least, yeah. to say the least,
1: yeah. to say the least, right? Like, he's going into this year basically with all of us as fans saying, we love you, but we need 10 wins. Otherwise, we're going to have to start thinking elsewhere. And
0: and you start, sure. with, you start with Cincinnati, a team right. that their roster is – they are in rebuild mode. Um, there's holes all over that roster. Um, they have a young quarterback with just a few games of starter experience. Right. What, like five, six games last year for Burrow? Um, offensive line that is going to be very depleted. Um, some of the guys they have addressed that those needs with aren't going to be available, and so you have your your kind of retooled defensive line. I mean, this is this is Mike Zimmer should be teeing off. In this situation, young, inexperienced quarterback, uh, offensive line that's a little depleted. These are the scenarios where Zimmer has uh, historically really ramped it up, teed off, and put together a good performance. He's got all his guys healthy. The expectations should be pretty high for the Vikings in this game, uh, given the circumstances there. Like you have, you have your defensive line back and healthy. You have. You know, I mean, when, I'm, when I say that, I mean, Hunter, you have Michael Pierce back. You have Delvin Tomlinson, new addition in there at nose tackle. You have Sheldon Richardson rotating. You have Everson Griffin back who can contribute on the pass rush. Uh, Eric Kendricks is back and healthy. Anthony Barr may or may not play. Uh, that I think he's still questionable he's right now. He's practicing at
1: least. He is practicing.
0: He is practicing. You have Harrison Smith back there at safety. You've got your new additions at cornerback. You have Mackenzie Alexander revenge game this week. You have all of these things, but uh, working in your favor and Zimmer, again, historically great. In these scenarios you got to come out with a w here
1: it's a revenge game on a number of levels right we didn't i didn't even mention the fact that mike simmers is That's true the yeah, former yeah. defensive coordinator for cincinnati by the way so him losing this is personal for him whether he says it out loud or not like he wants to win this football game um so there's that element to it you got to win for that reason um the fact that if you lose to this afc opponent that is considered to be you know a riser potentially but more likely to be a 5-6 win team than a 9-10-11 yeah. yeah, win yeah. team this year. If you're a Super Bowl contender, or if you're at least a playoff contender, these are games that you need to have. You need to win this for sure, no doubt. Otherwise, people are going to talk. It's just... That's just how the news cycle works. Like we want more content. And what are you like, what are you going to talk about if the Vikings lose to Cincinnati? It's going to be bad folks. Like it's going to be bad if we, if, if they lose this game. So you have to go in with the mindset that you need to win this game. I, I'm not saying must win. I'm not doing any of that crap, but I'm saying like, you need to win this football game. If you don't want the media on your ass, that's basically what I'm saying here. So looking at this team, Drew just kind of gave you the general synopsis. And really it's not, to me, it's not that much deeper than just that. Like this is this is a team that is in rebuild mode, and I think in a lot of ways that they can compete right now, but they just don't have the full p- polished product at this they point. They do have now. the
0: potential because, like, we'll get into it, but the skill position players are there, and that can kind of raise your ceiling. They're,
1: like, in year two of, like, a tr- like a, of a full, complete rebuild, like, completely distancing, distancing themselves from the previous era, right? Yeah. They got Joe Burrow, so they got their quarterback, in theory, right? They got Joe Mixon a couple of year ba- years ago. He's their bell cow then they've been you know adding in these little pieces here. They let AJ Green go. They signed up Tyler Boyd. He's their veteran, right? Then then last year they bring in T Higgins from Clemson. This year they bring in Jamar Chase from LSU. They are setting up for offensive success first and foremost. The defense, which we'll get to, needs a little bit more work. Well, probably a lot more work. But in theory, this offense is ready to compete. Now, I think that this offense is good enough now to compete with the Vikings in terms of, you know, can they like if this these two teams could get into a shootout with one another? Because I think Burrow is good enough quarterback to facilitate the football, get this, you know, get these, you know, big playmakers, the ball in space. You know, I don't know what Jamar Chase is going to look like in his first game as a rookie, but I know what he looked like at LSU and it was pretty damn good. So inherently nervous there. Tyler Boyd's a great route runner. T. Higgins is a, you know, a good splash in the pan player that could potentially be more this year. Like if they can get protection up front, big if, but if they can do that, they could put up 28, 31, 35 points somewhere in that neighborhood especially against the Vikings defense where it's like, we don't really know for sure. That being said, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm just saying they have that potential. Like you have to be aware of the fact there's enough playmakers on this team between Mixon, Burrow, Chase, Boyd, Higgins.
0: Yeah, no, they're, they're all over.
1: They can score points. for sure. It's a
0: decent test in that way. I think because it, you know, you'll, we'll get a feel for where like Patrick Peterson's at with his game. That too. Yeah uh based on because this is a decent test you these this is a good receiving court it's not like elite of the elite in the nfl but these guys are our pros t higgins had a really good rookie season kind of in a way overshadowed by justin jefferson like he was kind of up there in terms of rookie production it was just jefferson's was so outrageous that uh, nobody talks about t higgins boyd has been mr consistent for a while regardless of who's playing quarterback Uh, And Jamar Chase obviously has all that talent and was so, so big for Burrow at LSU. So uh, I, I'm going to be curious to see that. Like how, where is Patrick Peterson right now in his career? Can he still be an upper echelon cornerback? How about Rashad Breeland? Same type of thing. He was really good in preseason. I thought overall. Um, So how can he perform it? Can he be a solid reliable CB2 for the Vikings this year? So that'll be something I'll be looking at in this game. um, How these, New Vikings corners, these veterans match up with these kind of young, talented, uh, up-and-coming studs that the Bengals have to offer.
1: Absolutely. And that's definitely the the, kind of the the main focus here. I think all eyes will be on Patrick Peterson right from the jump because – you know, from a Vikings fan perspective. Also, least, he'll right? be
0: wearing number seven, which will be weird and tough to get used to
1: <laughs> that too. Yeah. <laughs> um, But you think about, you know, Cincinnati fans, right? What they're, what they're looking at here. Like this is the first time seeing Joe Burrow on the field since his injury, right? He came back pretty damn quick. So that's something to think about just, you know, from a fear factor perspective, a little bit nervous about seeing Joe about seeing Joe Burrow get hit. Like that makes me, concerned as just an NFL football fan, right? But he's back on the field. One thing to keep in mind here is that all these guys, while very talented, they have not all played together. They This is the first time. This is the true first look at what this Bengals future might look like. Generally speaking, Mike Zimmer has handled these types of situations well. When he has an inherent advantage in a game, whether it's you know the fact that he's playing at home, which he has a great record playing at home, whether it's a quarterback is hurt and you're playing against a reserve, I mean I know that there's the Chad Henney game, but in generally speaking, he takes advantage of situations that are you know not ideal, not optimal. I think this Cincinnati team can be very good, especially offensively, but let's give them some chance. Let's give them a chance to gel. I don't think Cincinnati Bengal fans are even expecting to win this game. Like they might be excited about the potential of it, but if they lose, they're not going to be devastated. If Vikings fans, the Vikings lose this game, Vikings fans are going to be screaming bloody murder. This is like a meltdown situation. The Vikings lose this game for Cincinnati. It's a, it's a chance to get better, right? It's the first showing of what the future might look like. You've got some nice pieces. You've got some bridge pieces. I think Riley reef is going to be a solid right tackle for them, Mm -hmm. just like he was in Minnesota, but he's a bridge piece. Let's be real here. He's not top tier at his position. He's not going to stop, you know, I I should say I shouldn't say that. He he might be able to stop what the Vikings are playing opposite to Neil Hunter. But I would say in general, this offensive line, the Vikings retool defensive line. This is what you built this line for, right? Like it's to take advantage of this group right here so that the playmakers don't get the ball. So like in theory, this is going one way or the other, right? If they get protection, I think Cincinnati could score 28 points. Yeah. If they get nothing, the the Vikings are a great. A good enough defense this week where they could hold them to like 13 if they're getting pressure consistently, which I think you bet on that. I think that's the like that is like more likely to happen that the Vikings get pressure based on my understanding and what I've seen of these guys on the right consistent on the offensive line.
0: Yeah, I I you should not have concerns about the Vikings defense in this game, I don't think. Just again, Zimmer's history with young quarterbacks, um, and kind of inconsistent and or depleted offensive lines. Vikings are at more or less full strength on defense. If, if it's a poor performance by the defense and this offense is able to run up the score, there's going to have to be, you know, the the narrative on this team is going to be kind of pretty drastically different uh, in a week from now. So if we're having a conversation like this again, where this defense is struggling, it looks like 2020 after this game and, Suddenly, Zimmer's heat or Zimmer's seat, like you said, is going to be a lot, lot warmer. Um, I'm looking at Bengals defense now. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of names that I recognize, and a lot of it's because it's they're all young players. A lot of young players on that team, but you know, like like Trey Williams was supposed to be kind of their like big cornerback signing a couple of years ago, and he I don't think he's played a game yet, and he won't this weekend, right? Um, yeah, they just signed Trey Hendrickson, who was really good for the Saints last year. Pass rusher, um, he'll be someone to watch and monitor for the Vikings' offensive line. But this is a young, inexperienced defense, and uh, I will say though. So you mentioned how Bengals fans aren't expecting to win this game. I've seen a little bit of internet di- internet discourse. Um, There's hope.
1: They have hope. Bengals have
0: hope because they've seen how discombobulated the Vikings have appeared offensively in preseason and in camp and the whole, the whole quarterback COVID thing. Like there are reasons to believe that the Vikings offense won't be the top 10 unit that it was last year. A lot of things working against them right now, in my opinion. And so again, another game, you know, this Bengals team defensively, not a ton there. Um, There are a few good pieces, like I mentioned, but the talent the Vikings have and the efficiency they put up last year should not really be a match for this Bengals defense.
1: So this is about the offense, but really it speaks more to the defense, right? I just looked up Zach Taylor was signed, was hired as the coach of the Bengals in February of 2019, ahead of the 2019 NFL draft. Mm -hmm. Since that point in time, the number one pick the round one pick and the round two pick for Cincinnati have all been offensive players. Jonah Williams, Drew Sample in 2019, Joe Burrow T. Higgins last year, Jamar Chase, Jackson Carmen this year. So six out of six of the round one and round two picks for Cincinnati have been on the offensive side of the football over the last three years. It's clear what they're trying to do. They're trying to rebuild the offense first and foremost. So they understand they-
0: that offense wins, wins games now, and which Absolutely. is, which is good. It's just that what falls behind that is the defensive side of the ball.
1: Absolutely. And they definitely have fallen beside. Right, you look at the you look at this group. There are some names here that might, you know, in theory either develop into something or, you know, have good have good have solid track records where you can expect quality play yeah. from them. You Shelby, know, I look
0: Woozie, at, Von Bell. Right. Uh, I mean, Hendrickson, like I mentioned, Larry Ogan Joby was, I believe, a pretty highly touted prospect a couple of years ago. I believe. Yep. Uh, so there are names there for sure. I
1: think this is the Trey Hendrickson show. I think if you slow down Trey Hendrickson, who, by the way probably doesn't get the hype like the hype doesn't match how good of a player he is just because of what he did in new orleans basically as a spot starter last year and then now he had a
0: bunch of sacks last year like i mean it was super it was super like underratedly like 15 sacks or something like that i can't remember 13 and a half sacks last year yeah second in the league last year in sacks that's pretty sneaky uh amount of sacks there
1: right exactly so something to keep in mind though is that he this is his first time in a Cincinnati Bengals uniform. He might be used differently. The language might yeah. be different. His positioning might be different. Like that's just another little thing to throw in here. That there's a lot of question marks with Cincinnati it's, it's basically what the point that I'm trying to drive home is that you don't know what this team is yet. I hope that they don't figure it out week one. From a, as a Vikings fan and a team that a person that hopes this team wins. Right. Will they gel eventually? I don't know. It remains to be seen, but they have nice pieces all over the place, but they're less present on the defensive side of the football. And when you think of you know, what is going to make this Vikings team good this year, it's going to take stable defense and above average to top five-ish offense. That's how this team is probably going to win this year. I don't see anyone other than Trey, Trey Hendrickson on the Cincinnati team that is a potential game wrecker meaning like he's going to take over the game. The Vikings aren't going to be able to move the ball offensively. They're going to be able to move the ball. Dalvin cook is going to get his, is going to get his
0: man. Maybe I've just, it, I had, I'm just getting flashbacks in my brain to the, how the preseason offense worked when the team, when the number ones were out there. Now I, Dalvin I know cook is
1: going to get his regardless. I, think.
0: I know cook wasn't out there and I know, uh, you know, both feeling and Jefferson, weren't out there at the same time. So I get all that. It's just, it's um, you know, it's concerning in that aspect. Um, but I, I, you're right. This there shouldn't be a ton of resistance here, and again, red flags will be raised if you know this this offense is not able to generate that movement right away, be efficient, and kind of pick up where they left off last year.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and I I think that you know I think that Dalvin Cook is a pretty safe bet here. I'm cons- I'm not concerned about Kirk Cousins, but I will be if the first quarter ends and he's you know four for eleven for. T- Seven, you know, twenty-seven yards or something like that. Then I'll immediately go to the preseason. We talked about this already. That if the, if it mm-hmm. looks bad in the regular season, I'm going to go back to the preseason. So hopefully, the Vikings' questions are answered quickly, so we don't have to suffer. Yeah. And that's uh, the other
0: thing too. I mean, we're not going to learn a ton about this team if they win this game because they should. Um, you know, I think we'll learn some things right away if the Vikings struggle in this game. They sneak by, whatever the case might be. Um. I think I'm already, if that happens, I'm already kind of almost out on the season where it's almost like, all right, they're not, they're not that contender that, you know, that we want them to be and that the front office wants them to be, cause they're kind of going all in on this year. They're not there if, if they struggle with this very young Cincinnati team.
1: So before we go into our game predictions here, and we'll start with the Vikings and Bengals, obviously, but just keep in mind that this is a potential slider game, right? Like, again, you don't want to put must win on any one game, but like, The Vikings schedule is not favorable for the first month of this year, right? If you lose here in Cincinnati on September 12th, next week, you got to go to Arizona, which I have a sneaking suspicion that they're going to have a good week one and, you know, be hyped up as the favorite to beat the Vikings in week two. Then you have to play Seattle and Cleveland, who both teams are hyped up as playoff contenders, Cleveland to a degree, even being considered a Super Bowl contender. So if you lose this one, man, I mean... Not looking good. I have major concerns. This so- very
0: team started 0-5 last year. Um, was that what five? One and five. One and five. Felt like 0 and five. They started one and five last year. Um, and it seems like it's a very real possibility if they lay a skunk here against uh Cincinnati.
1: Wheels could come off quick. So, with all that being said here, um, how does this game shake out? Do the Vikings get it done? Do they I think they, yes. they're only minus three, by the way, Vegas right. has a minus three and they're plus one seven. since plus one seventy five. 175
0: I think looking at this game objectively um, and I can't do that because I'm so scarred by this team. Objectively though, I think the Vikings minus three is a, is a, is a good bet. Um, it, like I said before, with all the Zimmer history of young quarterbacks, young defensive line, all of his key guys back and healthy defensively. Right. I think that plus, you know, I think the Bengals might score 16 points in this game. And I do trust the Vikings to muster up more than 20 plus points in this game. So I do like that bet. I'm not in the right state of mind to bet on the Vikings at any capacity right now. So I'm not going to do that, but um, I like the Vikings to win this game.
1: Yeah, I do too. I think the Vikings win, uh, I'll say 27. So that's three touchdowns, two field goals, five scoring drives um, to 16. So one touchdown, three field yeah. goals. I think that sounds about right to me, um, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, I am scared of this game. I just want that noted. Like I'm picking the Vikings. Oh, yeah. I'm all in here, but I'm nervous. I am nervous. So if this game- all,
0: just everything that happened in the preseason camp, whether it was the quarterback thing or the, the, the lack of any type of flow in first team offense. Right. Um, that too. Yeah. that's all just super. It, it's the only thing that's just seared in my mind right now.
1: Absolutely. All right. So that is officially our first pick of the 2021 season. Both drew and I going with your Minnesota Vikings or the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, as we always do for people who are have not listened to the show, but Drew and I have been doing this now for, I think, four years in a row. Uh, we do our picks at the end of the show. Just kind of a brief general reason why we think one way or the other for every game that's being played in that week. And at the end of the year, uh, we tally him up. And then the one who loses. Who won it last
0: year. year? I don't even remember.
1: I won barely. I think I won by okay. one game last Well, Here I got to get Two previous back years, you had beaten me. I okay. think you beat me squarely two years ago by about 14 games and then won by a nail-biter the year prior. So, uh, again, we don't bet on this. Relatively even. Yeah, relatively even to them for the most part. So, um, with both of us going with Minnesota, that first one here um, outside of the Minnesota Vikings is the Dallas Cowboys and Tampa Bay Bucks. They'll play on Thursday night, the first game of the, of the NFL season. Um, should be a fun one. Uh, you get the reigning champs, of course, and then you get a retooled Dallas team that should have a pretty fun offense.
0: Mm-hmm. I do like Dallas this year to rebound uh, really well uh, that they get healthy, but Tampa Bay returning every single starter from last year. Yeah. They're still going to be a force. Give me Tampa Bay.
1: Yeah. I, I don't think it, you don't need to add much more to, you know, your reasoning there. I'm going Tampa Bay as well. I think it's a really tough game to throw Dak Prescott in, in this first game as a return. Yeah.
0: I do think that that game is going to do serious numbers in terms of viewership though. Oh, God, uh, for sure. You got Tom Brady the, the cowboy, cowboy fan base mm-hmm. and you got, Tom Brady returning defending Super Bowl champion, that's going to be a, a really, really highly watched game. Something to
1: consider, too, by the way, that Dallas is playing in Tampa Bay. If they are able to sneak out a victory there, the landscape of the NFL changes real quick, I think. I think the narrative surrounding both of these teams changes very quickly. Um, if Dallas goes into Tampa Bay and wins the yeah. Super, Bowl game. Mm-hmm. Super Bowl hangover, that's, you know, that'll that'll be that's true. About. So, all right, both of us on Tampa. Next one here is Philadelphia at Atlanta. Um, Real barn burner. I think there's some people that are excited about what's going on in Atlanta with Calvin Ridley hyping up. Uh, Kyle Pitts looks a lot of fun. Matt Ryan's still as stable as as ever. Uh, But Philadelphia, on the other hand, you know, you'll get your first look at Jalen Hurts as a true starter in week one. Uh, But a lot of question marks on that team. I think Mm -hmm. they could be really bad.
0: I, I don't like either of these teams, but I think Atlanta, I'm just going to take Atlanta because I like I trust Matt Ryan a little more um, to put up the production needed to win. So give me the Falcons.
1: Right. I think that's and that's fair, too, because he's going to have that outlet with Calvin Ridley, where I think Ridley probably catches 8, 9, 10 balls this week. And you, you know you're going to get some yardage in that regard. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just more stable, which it's weird to say that Atlanta is a more functioning, stable team. Um, but I think that's what they are. Week one here against Philly, I'm taking Atlanta as well. Yeah. Uh, next one here. Uh, looks good on paper. Uh, maybe not all that exciting, though, On when it, when it actually comes to uh, the actual game on television. That's Pittsburgh at Buffalo. Uh, probably the last year of Ben Roethlisberger, so that gets kicked off with a bang here against Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and co. And that surging offense in Buffalo. Uh, TJ Watts deal is up in the air that's making headlines right now as we record this show Uh, there's some real question marks there but there's also some interesting new pieces I mean Najee Harris should be fun to watch Mm -hmm. Um, if you're a Steelers fan or someone that's interested in that team uh, could be a fun one
0: see I'm on the record I don't think Pittsburgh's gonna be any good this year Um, so with that said I got the bills here Um, better team on the up and up Steelers are going to be a pretty big disappointment after last year I think so give me the bills
1: I think that yeah, I think Buffalo's an easy pick here too. Especially when we're just picking straight up. We're not picking against a spread or anything like that. Like, yeah, yeah. It's a very safe pick to just say Buffalo and move forward. So yep. I'm gonna do just that. I think Josh Allen goes off with Stephon Diggs once again. And we're gonna get a repeat of last year, and all Vikings fans are gonna be sad. So that's that. All right. San Francisco and Detroit should be a pretty another relatively easy one. We got a quarterback that is healthy in Jimmy Garoppolo. And in fact, we do have a guy to back him up if he does get hurt uh in Trey Lance, who looks ready yep. and interesting. Uh um, yeah. he'll play they'll face off against Detroit this week. I think it's fairly safe. Safe to say that San Francisco is the favorite and should win this game. Do they actually get it done?
0: Yes, I uh, I do have faith in that Niners roster, um, especially, you know, after the injuries last year, Um, they're coming back healthy here. I think they can be really good, and the Lions are still the Lions.
1: Absolutely. I'm going to go with San Francisco, too. I mean, I'm just – you're going to see that this is going to be a consistent theme here. I'm just not going to pick Detroit unless there's a good reason to. I don't think they're good. I I think they're very bad, to be honest with you. I think they're a bottom dweller team. So if they're playing anyone that's remotely competitive, like San Francisco, I'm going to take that team. So give me San Francisco. Now this next one here is where it starts to get a little bit more interesting, right? Um, Arizona at Tennessee. I kind of alluded to this a little bit earlier on the show, a big opportunity game for Arizona, right? We thought that maybe last year might be the year where Kyler Murray takes that next step. Uh, You know, Cliff Kingsbury gets that offense in motion. They become a top five group uh, start bringing, you know, potentially challenging some records, things of that nature. It didn't happen last year. Uh, it might this year. There's hope. Once again, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, you've got this retooled you know, wide receiver core with A.J. Green in there now. They're all going up against Tennessee, which, of course, is the most old school of old school offenses with Derrick Henry. But you add Julio Jones to the mix now with A.J. Brown. Things get a little bit more interesting for one of the most efficient passers in the NFL in Ryan Tannehill. So this could be a fun one. And I think this is really the first peer game where you might see a little bit of disparity between who people think are going to win do you think that Tennessee is still trending up or do you think have they flatlined? and same thing goes for Arizona? Are they still on the up and up or is this who they are?
0: I got, I got Tennessee here uh, and I've been a big Titans guy, I think the last couple of years, but um, you know, I'm not quite there yet for Arizona to be a contender. I think the Titans are a contender. So do the Titans.
1: So I've gone back and forth with this one just for myself um, in terms of like what I'm going to make as a pick today. I'm going to say Arizona. I know it's a bit of a stretch, uh, but I do think that this is, the, you know, really the first game on this docket here um, where you could see it up a, a potential upset. I'm well aware that Tennessee with Derrick Henry and their offensive core and what they're doing with Ryan Tannehill. I know they're ex- an excellent team. Um, I'm going to make my bet pure in week one that Arizona is taking that next step. And for that reason, I'm going to take them here because I think this is kind of a, a statement game, right? If Arizona is able to get away with the victory here, I know it's against an AFC opponent. Uh, it doesn't necessarily matter as much as, you know, an interleague opponent in light, but uh, you get a chance here to establish yourself as, you know, a top offense against you know, what has been one of the top offenses in the NSL. So I'm going to take Arizona here. Drew goes Tennessee. That's our first split of the year. Um, next one here. Interesting game. Seattle and Indianapolis. Uh, Russell Wilson, of course, continues to lead the charge of Seattle. They got their things figured out with, uh, you know, Dwayne Brown recently. So he will start that offense. Looks like it'll be functional again this year. Uh, if not, you know, even better than that, um, defense somewhat retooled and they get to go up against Indianapolis, which has had, if the Vikings didn't have the weirdest COVID story, then it's definitely Indianapolis with Carson Wentz now at the helm. Um, strange offseason for them, but you return Jonathan Taylor, potential guy that could lead, you know, the league in rushing if he gets enough touches and he has the opportunity. Uh, and you've got some other pieces there, too, offensively that could make this team, you know, as well-rounded as they've been in the last previous couple of years, assuming Carson Wentz can do some real damage here and maybe get give us a shred of what he was back in 2019. So who wins this one with all that said?
0: I don't trust the Colts yet, specifically Carson Wentz. So give me Seattle. Russ is, he he did drop off quite a bit second half of last year but it's still seattle still got dk metcalf there. still a high powered offense i can put up 30 plus on anybody Uh, i'll take seattle but i I, it could be a close game
1: yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna take seattle as well i'm not ready to say anything about the colts Um, they're confusing but i do think they have the depth which is something the vikings don't have is that they don't necessarily need every single one of their starters to play a full 17 games this year with you whereas your Vikings, unfortunately, probably do. Uh, I think they're more stable, but I think Seattle is – we know what Seattle is, and we know what they're capable of becoming, right? If Russ goes off, I mean, he could be a 350-yard passer and throw for four touchdowns against his defense, which is very good, by the way. But Russell Wilson, regardless, uh, still top shelf in his position. I'll go Seattle as well. Now, here's another interesting one. I think this one has the potential to be a lot of fun, uh, and that is Justin Herbert and his Chargers squaring off against Washington and that defense, which – you know, I've heard the hype this offseason. I'm buying into it a little bit here um, with those dogs up front, uh, led, you know, led, of course, by Chase Young. Uh, you've got Ryan Fitzpatrick slinging it with Terry, Terry McLaurin catching it. I mean, Washington could be a hell of a lot of fun. And then just on the flip side of that, I mean, you got the Offensive Rookie of the Year. I know you guys all hate hearing that, but Justin Herbert shattered records at quarterback last year. He's a very fair pick to say that he's going to take a step forward and potentially lead his team into the playoffs. Um, he returns Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, etc. Austin Eckler is healthy. Uh, this could be a fun matchup. Is it offense or defense that gets a W when it's all said and done?
0: I'm weirdly optimistic about Ryan Fitzpatrick in Washington. I think he's kind of like the act, the quarterback they need there where he'll take the shots. Um, and he'll trust these young weapons that they actually have, you know, I like McLaurin a lot. I like Curtis Samuel a lot if he's healthy. So I think, I think Washington will be offensively a lot better than people think. So I'm going to go with Washington.
1: Yeah. I'm going to take Washington as, as well. Um, I like I like the Chargers, but they're still the Chargers to me. They're still the team that blows it when I'm watching Red Zone at 3 p.m. every weekend. Right. Um, so until that's you know said otherwise, uh, I'm going to take Washington here. I'm going to say defense wins championships. And I think they can have a lot of sacks. I mean, this this could be a really fun defense to watch this year. So I'm going to start with the Washington football team. Uh, next one here, real barn burner. We got the New York jets, Zach Wilson squaring off against Sam Darnold, a, a true revenge game week one, um, in the Carolina Panthers. Uh, you know, I'm from Minnesota. I don't really care about the jets regardless, but um, yeah, I,
0: I, this, I don't care about this game. I'm going to take the Jets. I'm going to take the jets though. Cause I, I think Zach Wilson's really fun. So I'll just, I'll pick him. I'll pick the jets because of that.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm also taking the jets here. I mean, I don't, again, I'm with you, Drew. I don't, I don't care about this game either. So it's hard for me to get on board. I would love to see Sam Darnold go in and throw for like 400 yards though. Like that would be really fun for me if he got his true revenge. So um, next one here might be a competition between the two worst teams in the AFC when record record wise, when it's all said and done, but we do get to see Trevor Lawrence play. um, And that's the Jacksonville Jaguars against the Houston Texans. Um, There's not a whole lot of, to say about these two teams outside of it'll be fun to see Trevor Lawrence get his first career start.
0: Yeah. Um, I, the whole Deshaun Watson thing is kind of nuts too. Like he's a safety now and <laughs> at, at their practices and stuff. I'll take the Jags just cause I like Trevor Lawrence. Um, and there's a little bit more upside there. Um, mm. but this is not, yeah, the Jags are gonna be one and oh, it's going to be the most false, like, uh, you know, positive one and oh of all time.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Here. um, Next one up on the docket, we've got Cleveland and Kansas City. Of course, this has the potential to be the most fun week game of the weekend here. Uh, shootout candidate, if you will. Patrick Mahomes, of course, returns uh, with all of his offense's pieces. A retooled offensive line, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. And then they will phase off against Cleveland, who last year kind of got some sleeper picks, right? Like there are some analysts that are like, yeah, oh, this team might be pretty good. They might make the playoffs. Well, a lot of those same analysts that said that last year are now doubling down and saying this is Super Bowl contender for Cleveland. And I think a lot of that is fair. It's hard to pick any one team as your Super Bowl pick, but if you're gonna pick one, I think Cleveland has as much potential as just about anyone outside of Buffalo and Kansas City. So This could be a fun roster to watch this year. Keeping in mind, they retain Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt is back and not doing anything stupid off the field lately. Baker Mayfield has a chance to step forward and really earn that big contract extension this offseason. They've got great defensive pieces, you know, arguably the best, you know, defensive player outside of Aaron Donald and Miles Garrett. I mean, Cleveland has the potential here to really put up some points and play some defense as well. Can they get it done against Kansas City, who is I think everyone's ready to already put them back in the Super Bowl?
0: Yeah, it's the Chiefs. I'm picking the Chiefs every week. I'm <laughs> picking the Chiefs every week. I mean, I don't care who they play, I'm picking them. Could be Tampa Bay, could be anybody. I'm gonna pick the Chiefs until I see something drastically different.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna take the Chiefs too. I set that whole thing up just to you know, just to, to fall flat on their face, which is honestly, it's a good narrative. I figured, I mean, the Browns will
0: win a lot of games this year. They're just not being the Chiefs at Arrowhead.
1: Right. Especially not week one. Um, let the sink cook a little bit. I think when it's all said and done, the Browns could win 11 games total. Um, but one of them is not going to be against Kansas City at Arrowhead, by the way, week one. Andy Reid's been planning for this for the last like, year. So I'm going to take the Chiefs too. All right. Next one here, Miami and New England. You get the, the first look at Mac Jones in New England and what he's going to be leading. Um, Jacoby Myers looked pretty fun during the preseason. That's a, you know one offensive weapon that he'll be relying on here. Uh, Miami, on the flip side here, Brian Flores, uh, trying to see some fruit um, after what he's been building the last few seasons here. Um, a lot of that falls on the shoulders, of course, the quarterback in Tua Tagovailoa. Um, interesting situation that he finds himself in, being in the midst of trade talks basically all season with regard to Deshaun Watson, which, by the way, just makes that situation that much weirder. Um, And then, of course, there's there's other pieces here as well. You know, you like the Dolphins roster. I think that they're able to compete right now. And it starts with kind of their biggest rival over the last, well, really forever, but definitely for the last two decades against, you know, the guys that a lot of people that are hoping is going to be the next Tom Brady and Mac Jones, which I just want to get it out there. I don't think that, but I think New England fans are certainly hoping for that.
0: That's it's, it's really tough to follow that up. Uh, so I don't really envy yeah. Mac Jones. Uh, I'm, I'm taking the dolphins. I don't love that because cause Tua didn't show a ton last year, but I just think right now the roster is better. And I think they have the, the attitude of the team is equipped to go into new England and win, I think.
1: Okay. I'm going to go on record here before this even even starts as a Tua doubter. I'm going to be that guy. Uh, I don't, I, I don't think I mean, fair enough. Um, I'm concerned still. I don't think he's the same player since the injury. Um, and I also didn't think that he was, you know, a top shelf NFL quarterback when he was a prospect either. I thought he was a very good prospect. I would have loved to have him in Minnesota. Um, but after a season plus of seeing him, uh, I'm going to go early and say doubter, Not gonna, not going to be the game changer they're hoping for at that position. That being said, I don't necessarily think that Mac Jones is going to be Amazing. Either I like what I've seen. I like what I've read. But it's also coming from the you know one of the biggest news outlets in in America. If he you know if he has a good shit, it's going to be reported. So it, that's basically the situation that Mac Jones finds himself in. He's going to have the opportunity here to reinforce all the narratives that have been with him all season. Here, I'm going to take New England on pedigree. I think that Bill Belichick is a better coach than Brian Flores. And for what it's worth, it's a lot closer than people think. I think because I like Brian Flores a lot. But week one, the same thing goes for what I just said about Andy Reid. Bill's been preparing for this for six months. As soon as the schedule was released, Bill Belichick started thinking about this game. So I'm going to take him to win it. Uh, I'll take New England. We'll split on that one. Um, coming down to the last four here. Green Bay at New Orleans. Uh, a couple of years ago, this would be a lot of fun. Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. This year, a little different. Uh, we'll have Jameis Winston at the helm for New, for new Orleans. Marquez Callaway will be the wide receiver one, I believe, at least to start the year with Michael Thomas on the shelf. You've got Alvin Kamara, who remains a lot of fun. They go up against, you know, arguably the top, you know, quarterback receiver duo in the NFL and Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. They add some new pieces as well. Randall Cobb returns. You might see some action from Aaron Jones as well. This could be fun, especially with the way that Jameis Winston plays and Sean Payton tells the, tends to call football games. We might see 60 points plus in this one.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm just not there with the Saints. I think they're they're set up to drastically kind of decline here. Um, I'm open for it. I and part, it. part of it, part of it is I'm kind of overwhelmed by the roster construction at the salary cap and how far over that they, they were, and they had to m- do move a ton of things. I kind of screwed over Latavius Murray just now, so um,
1: very and I don't,
0: and I don't believe in James. I don't believe in James, so uh, I'm going to go with Green Bay kind of easily here.
1: Yeah, I'm going with Green Bay as well. Um, obviously, <laughs> this is a no-win game, right? Like, I hate both of these teams. But I would, I think who I'm rooting for would be New Orleans just because they're not in the Vikings division. But I hate New Orleans just as much as I hate Green Bay for what it's worth. Um, so you're getting – I guess one of these teams does have to lose. So that's a, that's a good thing, right? Um, I'm going to say that New Orleans is the one that loses it. Um, I'm not a big Jameis believer either. I think his style of play – is incredibly fun to watch, but it's not about getting results. Um, so I'm going to take Green Bay here. Uh, say I'm going to say that with my chest. I'm pretty confident about it. Um, yeah. Even going into the Superdome where New Orleans historically has played very well and been very consistent. So Green Bay for both of us. Next one here. Denver and the New York giants, George Payton's first finished product, uh, officially hits the, um, hits the field here against the giants and Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley returns to action. Finally. Uh, it'll be nice to see him back out there and hopefully he's still the same guy that he used to be. Teddy Bridgewater, of course, is your starter, uh, in Denver. He'll have an opportunity to establish himself and assert himself as, you know, a capable starter and guy that could potentially lead a very good defense into the postseason. So, um, does Denver's trek to potentially being a wild card team behind Kansas City um does it get off to a good start here against the Giants or are we talking about Drew Lock potentially starting as soon as next week
0: No no Broncos win this game uh and Broncos cover Spready Bridgewater as we call him Uh no the uh, it's, I it's I was a big believer in the Broncos last year a bunch of injuries derailed the team a little bit now they've got a steady quarterback that can win on that type of team a lot of similarities between this team and the, the 2015 team at the that Teddy uh, led to the playoffs. So uh, I do like the Broncos to be a little bit more competitive this year. And I think they handle the giants. Yep.
1: Yep. I'm going to take Denver as well. I, I'm pretty confident in that pick too. I, I just think they're more stable and I need to see more from Daniel Jones. I mean, I'm ready to call Daniel Jones a bust, but I think, you know, from a from, if we're being realistic, we got to give him more time to see what he can actually do, especially with you know a new coaching staff, new offensive players, new pieces around him, things of that nature. But um, I, I do think Vic Fangio gets it done here for Denver. George Payton gets his first career win as as a GM this weekend. All right, uh, coming down to the wire now, Chicago and the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, this one will be held in Los Angeles. Um, Andy Dalton is starting the football game, so. We get our first look at Matthew Stafford. So and dumb.
0: So dumb. I cannot believe the Bears are starting Andy Dalton with a straight face when they have Justin Fields on the roster. And because of that, I will pick against them every single week. I am picking the Rams. Me too. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I don't feel like they deserve a pick to win a game until they start Justin Fields over Andy Dalton.
1: Yep. I think that's fair you know, we put ourselves in a weird situation when, you know, if Chicago is still starting I mean, by Andy all Dalton,
0: means, by all means, as a Vikings fan starting Andy Dalton, I don't mean, I am. I, yeah. I cannot understand it. I don't. I'm I'm
1: definitely also cool with that. Um, I think Matthew Stafford gets this done easily. Right. Um, I do think it sets up an interesting situation though. Like what happens when the bears led by Andy Dalton play against Detroit? If that happens this year, Justin Fields is on the field. Who do we pick? I mean, it's just the decision-making is crazy. Yeah. yeah. I, I the thought process, like, what you said exactly what you said like they're saying it with a straight face like you're coming up to me and saying that Andy Dalton is the true guy the best possible solution like on purpose right they're now.
0: starting him over th- their weird, their first round quarterback all the talent in the world um and it, I, I hate this argument that like he's not ready things like that we've talked about it with oh, a little bit we talked like, about ready but like what, what what how else is he gonna get ready like this is the guy you drafted to be the franchise quarterback. What what's he gonna do on the bench? Like, how is he gonna? I I, I don't get it. But uh, do whatever you want to do, Bears. That's fine.
1: Yeah, that's that's fine with me too. I also don't get it. Um. All right, last one of the week, Monday Night Football, Baltimore and the Las Vegas Raiders, who I think, um, criminally underrated to a degree at least offensively, because all us just hate Derek Carr for some reason. I think we just kind of overlooked that team. He's sneaky. And- Yeah, he is sneaky, and then you've got the combination of Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake that could be potentially fun. You've got some other pieces. I mean, Sean Gruden, he's old school, but smart offensive guy. I I just I just don't
0: see the Raiders stopping the Ravens at all. Like even that was a good question here. Yeah, yeah, I think the Ravens offense will be good enough. Uh, That running attack, Lamar dual threat, too much for the Raiders defense. I don't know if Derek Carr will be able to keep up. So, Ravens is the pick for me there, kind of easily. I go
1: Ravens too. It kind of goes back to the question that people were talking about this offseason. Like has the NFL figured out Lamar Jackson? Well, if anyone's going to figure out Lamar Jackson, probably not going to be the Vegas Raiders. At least that's not the team I would bet on doing it. So um, I'm going to take Baltimore as well. I think that's a pretty safe lock too this week. All right. That rounds out our uh, first collection of pick here for the week one of the 2021 NFL season. Uh, with that being said, do you have any final thoughts, any conclusions, anything that you want to toss out there before we wrap up our first show of the 2021 campaign?
0: I don't. Other than football's back, it's great. Um, you know, there the renewed sense of optimism that every any, like, team
1: outside of the Vikings. Anything that you're like kind of looking at where you're like, ah, oh, this could happen. Like I, I feel good about this.
0: Uh, we're doing a, the entire season or this week or just anything,
1: anything. Anything weird that you're thinking about that you know you think the average nfl fan isn't thinking
0: about. um saints win less than six games this year
1: i don't my prediction is that M- michael thomas doesn't play another game for the saints this year i think that he i think that he's gonna get dealt i think this thing's gonna get even worse okay. i drafted him in i don't I, I i
0: don't doubt it that makes total sense you That's know my I mean, bold he's, prediction he's, he's clearly team. upset with the team and rightfully so
1: I think, I don't think he plays another down for him. So I think he plays this year. I drafted him thinking that he is going to play at some point, but I don't think it's me for the same. So that's kind of the weird thing that's been swirling around in my head. Um, but all right. Uh, that's it. That's, that's all she wrote for our first show here um, next week. We will start with the two. Um, episode per week programming schedule start with Tuesday being our kind of our rehash of whatever the Vikings do uh, this Sunday hopefully a win hopefully we're talking about a win um, and any kind of news that immediately follows and then later on the week we will do our preview episode uh, same thing, kind of thing that we did here today, uh, probably be a little bit more in depth, in depth, just because there won't be a Brian O'Neill contract to talk about on top of it, but that's just general schedule, you know, a rehash and then, a, and then a preview. That's kind of what we're going to be doing for the foreseeable future here. Uh, we're very much looking forward to it. We're excited about the season. Um, hopefully the Vikings get it done on Sunday and, you know, give us some momentum mm-hmm. here going into week two, um, give us something to cheer for. Cause I, I am, I am, I'm concerned just, you know, if, if this thing goes down in flames, I mean, I'm going to be very. It's gonna, it could get ugly quick. So hopefully they get it done. I believe they're going to get it done. Um, cross your fingers, knock on wood, do everything you need to do. Um, and then in the meantime, make sure that you're subscribing, listening, doing all that kind of stuff. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Uh, make sure to cl- check out the Climb in the Pocket Network as well. I know that the entire team uh, right now, we have a live show, I believe, every single day of the week, Monday through Friday. As well as reaction stuff and a couple other podcasts going on on the network so make sure you're checking that out if you need more content there's you know 15 guys on this team that are producing it so uh, make sure to check out what we're doing there uh daily norseman of course and then lastly you can find us on youtube if you absolutely need to if you do want to skip a week though this is probably the week to do it because i've got this ugly cut on my face that i don't like at all so if you want to skip the youtube thing this now they're gonna um... go
0: watch on youtube
1: Maybe, maybe that's what I'm trying to do. I am a marketing professional after all. So, (laughs) all right. Um, That's all she wrote. Thank you guys for listening. And we will catch you next week.